When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maryland sports fans. There's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Everybody, it's Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. How's everybody doing today? Hope everyone's having a great day as usual. Day filled with rock music and jamming out to some tunes. Today on this episode, we have two special guests from the Shout It Out Loudcast at SIO Loudcast on Twitter. Is that right, guys? That's correct, Jay. Yes, thank you so much for having us. We appreciate this very much. Thank you. Yeah, this is Zeus Thanks, and Jay. Tom. Glad to be here, buddy. Um, both, uh, yes. if you haven't had a chance to enjoy their podcast, I, I suggest you do. It's a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, a lot of, a lot of great moments. Um, very enjoyable listen for these guys. I'm glad to have them on. Thanks again for doing this. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Awesome. So we start every podcast off the same way every time we have a new guest. So we got two of you guys here today. We'll start with Zeus. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, an album, or a performance that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it? Well, again, thanks for having us, Jay. We appreciate it. We have shouted out Loudcast, our first introductory episode we talked about it and it's funny because i think me and tom are on the same page in this and that's the band that we talk about on our podcast it was kids i'm talking maybe five six years old uh going to my crazy older cousin mike's house seeing that spirit of 76 poster on his wall with kiss and peter chris has got the bandit uh, bandage over his head playing the drums and i'm like what the f is that 
and my older cousin like, oh, this is kids. They're crazy. They're awesome. And then, boom, you get hooked. You got Destroyer. You've got Love Gun. All those images, those album covers, and then the music. And then you, you identify with them. You start in Kiss as a visual, a visual band, so that growing up, we're talking about five, six, seven-year-old kids. That's your first introduction to rock and roll. And for us, at least for me, I should say, it it, it doesn't get any better. The, the music was good. Obviously, I didn't really appreciate, you know, other types of music, other types of bands other than Kiss, because that's what I was listening to then. But it, it was fun. It had a chorus. It was, you know, crazy with the theatrics. They had playing cards. They had Halloween specials. They had Halloween costumes, which I could wear. That was my introduction to rock. It, it's expanded from there, obviously. But, yeah, for me, it was Kiss. They got me into it right from the start. And what about you, Tom? Same same answer? Yeah, uh, s- s- similar. And I, and I remember, I can remember this story seriously like it just happened. So I'm, I'm 46 years old, okay? And I... Growing up, I spent my summers uh, up in Maine, and my cousins, uh, they live there year-round um, up at York Beach, uh, up in Maine, up in New England. Um, and my cousins were quite a few years older than me. Um, so it was it was the summer uh, when I turned five years old, and I used to go to my cousin's, uh, you know, my aunt's house, and he had a stack uh, of, of uh, vinyl, you know, which is funny thinking that it's 2019 and that's still the you know people are crazy about vinyl and i used to just flip through his stack of vinyl because at that time everybody knows in the 70s you know the artwork was amazing and i remember seeing covers for boston molly hatchet queen you know frampton all these bands and i and i remember flipping through and i saw the cover of love gun which was released one year prior and i looked at that cover and I looked at my, my older cousin and I said, what is this? And they said, oh, it's this band Kiss, you know? And I'm like, I didn't even really care about the music at that time. I was just so obsessed <laughs> with the image. And he said, you know what? Take this record, take it home, listen to it. You know, he was my big cousin. So I was like, oh, this is great. So, of course, I stared at the covers. I put the, I put the music on. Now, I'm five years old. The first song on, on Love Gun. I Stole Your Love, the guitars, the drums, the riff, the craziness. I kept listening to it, listening to it. Um, and to this day, I have that original 77 Love Gun LP that my cousin gave me when I was five years old. I have it downstairs framed. And the rest is, shall we say, history for me. Um, that was it, five years old, just like Zeus. That was the beginning of it. And that musical love just expanded all over the place. I grew up with music in my household. Um, all kinds of styles from jazz, big band, classic rock, pop, you name it. And it's just been a, a never-ending love affair with music since then. I'm 44. My introduction to Kiss took a bit. But the unique thing was is that I was aware of their presence, right? So when I would go to the grocery store with my mom, I would see the Kiss costumes. I would see all that stuff. I didn't know what they sounded like. At that time, but I just kind of knew there were these four guys with white faces, and you know, they uh, everyone had that unique uh, makeup that each character had. But I didn't know their music, and I remember watching them on Solid Gold. I think it was like 1980, 81, or something like that. 
And I remember like the Kiss phonograph, and I remember all these things in the toy section that had Kiss on it. But it wasn't until I Love It Loud, the I Love It Loud video, I saw on pre-cable days on a thing called On TV. And On TV was this thing. I don't know if they had it out on the East Coast, but it was this thing that was a box. like It was about the size of a a shoebox on top of your TV, and it had a channel. And you'd switch it from regular TV, you know, the five, six, seven channels that you had, and you'd flip it over to on TV, and they had movies. And then in between the movies, they had videos. So I remember watching, I think it was Time Bandits, once when I was a kid, or I forget what movie it was. After the credits rolled, they showed I Love It Loud by Kiss, and that was the first time that I actually heard their music. And, 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 and you know, I, I remember seeing them on on. on on Solid Gold, I think it was they, they did the song I from the Elder, but I really didn't remember it. It really didn't kind of connect with me. But the I Love It Loud video did, and, and then my first album I ever bought with my own money was Lick It Up when I was eight years old, eight, nine years old, and that was with wow. the Vinnie Vincent, you know, obviously Era and Eric Carr was in the band. I even remember being at the grocery store and sitting in the cart, the grocery cart, going to the checkout line, you know, they have that magazine kiosk there. And I remember seeing the People magazine or the Us magazine when they introduced Eric Carr as the Fox. And I remember, like, just those pictures. I'm like, oh, I'm like, there's something going on with this band again, and what is this? And, like, I, I still, you know, I was, like, you know, five, six years old, and it still didn't, like, connect with me, like, oh, this is, these are, this is a rock band. Once I got involved and once I, once I heard I Love It Loud, I mean, Kiss growing up was my favorite band. I still remember the T-shirt that my older brother got on the Crazy Nights tour when Ted Nugent opened up for him. And the back of the shirt said, life is like sex. The more you put in, the more you get out. And I thought, those were, <laughs> those were words to live by, right? You know? So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I do, I do remember all that. Kiss is a huge part of my childhood. I remember going to, there was a record store outside of Chicago called Rolling Stone Records. I remember going to get Vinnie Vincent and Dana Strum's autograph there when the Invasion album came out. I remember going to get Freely's Comet uh, when that album came out. All four members, Anton Fig, John Regan, Todd Harworth, of course, Ace Freely. And I remember, you know, my grandfather taking me to get these autographs. And it was just a kind of special moment because he was like the first musician that I knew as I explained in our in my first episode, because he played the piano, and every time I would go over there, I'd hear him. I'd hear him play. So, but yeah, Kiss has been a huge influence in my life. Been a huge fan. You know, as the later years went on, I I, I did kind of lose interest. You know, I'm not always a fan of what Gene says in the press. I'm not always a fan of what Paul says in the press. But they are Kiss, and they're one of the greatest rock bands of all time. You know, I just a lot of memories listening to their music, you know, from in my youth and into my adulthood. Yeah. And that's what a lot of us feel in for us on our podcast. Tom likes to say sometimes that there's so many kiss podcasts out there, but some of them, some of them treat it like it's meet the press. And that's not kiss to us. If you can't see the ridiculousness of some of the stuff they say or do to me, it's not authentic. You know, you got to laugh at some of the lyrics. You got to laugh at some of the stunts they try to sell. You got to laugh at that stuff. And you can't take Kiss that serious. It's not that serious. Now, can they have serious songs that you can put up with any rock classic? Yeah, I'll put Black Diamond up against any classic rock song 
and say that's better. But you know, I'm not going to put a bang bang you against sympathy for the devil. I mean, why not? Is, that's <laughs> yeah. But you get our point, like, and that's how we approach our at least our podcast. Right. We try to have fun with it. We try to come up with new ideas. There's a million kids podcasts out there. We got to be different. And if we're not talking about something different, just rehashing. Yeah, I like Love Gun. You like Love Gun? Yeah, I like I like Destroyer. Wow, that's nice. It's not interesting. And Kiss is not dull. No. All right? No. So if you can't keep it interesting with Kiss and coming up with fun and crazy ideas and be real about them, then that's not that's not for us or our listeners. And our listeners get it. So that, I mean, what you're saying is exactly right. You don't like some of the things Paul and Gene say? Well, neither do we. But overall, we yeah. love them. And you don't have to, right? I mean, there's not a law that says you got to like everything your favorite rock star says. You don't have to agree with everything. The one thing I want to do, though, is when I do appear on your podcast, I want to do the topic, if Vinnie Vincent would have stayed in Kiss, what the album Analyze would have been like. Ooh, okay. All right. That's a good discussion for, for sure. Absolutely. Yes, because there's some... There is some demos that were recorded during those sessions that, you know, like back on the streets and boys are going to rock is essentially the old demo was essentially on the eighth day on look it up. So there was a lot of stuff recorded that ended up on the invasion record that maybe would have ended up on Animalize. So that's, that's one topic I want to talk about with you guys. Absolutely. You have an open invitation with us. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and just to kind of uh, piggyback on a little bit what, you know, what Zeus said with, um, you know, with Kiss in general and with our show specifically, um, you know, it makes it easy because we love the band um, and we follow the band, you know, almost since their inception. You know, the ups and downs, the good, the bad, the funny, the ridiculous, the serious, the great. You know, and like our on our recent episode uh, when we had uh, the great uh, Chris Jericho, um, he he had a great quote, um, you know, that referencing what Paul Stanley said and said, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what floor of the kiss elevator you get off of um as long as you get off on a floor and enjoy yourself meaning some people might think the non-makeup era is their sweet spot some people might think that there's nothing other than the original four with the makeup and we you know we talk about all of that and you know one thing that zeus and i have brought up in the past is that the thing that makes kiss so interesting is that there's so much to there's so much to talk about and discuss you know whether it's album reviews personalities musicianship band lineup changes you know there's very few bands that you could really exhaust yourself in in a discussion and i think that's what makes i think that's what makes us being a fan of them so fun and so exciting and you know hopefully we we convey that in in our in our podcast as well absolutely man like i said in the beginning the podcast you guys do is a lot of fun i find myself laughing uh, I just, you know, I, I haven't listened to the one, the latest episode, but the last one I listened to was All Systems Go. Was found myself laughing almost constantly. It was great. Was well, awesome. that comes with uh, being college buddies with your uh, with your partner on the podcast. <laughs> we have the same stupid, immature sense of humor, right? And a lot of some um, inside jokes. Some of our listeners are catching on to it. Other people are probably listening to us and go, what the hell is he saying? And it's all right, you know, but we try to have fun. And, you know, this is done for fun. And I'm sure you feel the same way. You enjoy having your podcast. I don't want it to be work. And Tom says the same thing. If this is work, we're not doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I've always loved talking music. 
I've always loved listening to music. It's been in my blood since I was a young kid. I live with a rock band in my early 20s. I've had a lot of fun in rock and roll and, and hanging out with guys, they, you know, bands they opened up with. An always an enjoyable subject, especially when you deal with the stresses throughout the day. You come home, you don't want to do anything too serious or you want to get away from what you experienced for eight, nine hours at work, you know, that, that same day. And there's nothing like talking rock music to get your mind off everything. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better. Perfectly. Yep. So you guys have been checking out the last couple of episodes about saving rock and roll and how the rock band is essentially killing rock and roll. The band we just talked about has a member in it, Gene Simmons, the legendary Gene Simmons, who was quoted about two, maybe three years ago as saying rock and roll is dead. Now, there was a huge uproar after he said that. A lot of fellow rock stars came out and said, Gene doesn't know what he's talking about. Rock and roll is not dead. I agree with him because I know what he's talking about. Rock and roll is always going to be around, right? Rock and roll is always going to be found in clubs and in to listen to, to enjoy, to see live. There's always going to be rock bands playing. There's always going to be that music. But what he means when he says rock and roll is dead is, like I said in a couple episodes ago, rock and roll doesn't have a seat at the table anymore when it comes to demographic, marketing demographics. Rock and roll does not have a seat at the table when when it's concerned with relevancy right now. It's irrelevant, okay? Rock has 14% of the market share worldwide in terms of what people are listening to. The younger generation is not listening to rock and roll. The older generation doesn't want to listen to any new rock and roll. You hear the comments, new rock sucks, new rock this, and that's not true. So I know you guys, I think it was Zeus that told me that he was burning up at the office today when he was hearing like what we were talking about. And I want to get your thoughts. And, you know, you guys, you are the same age as me and, and uh, you know, we're in our mid-40s. You know, what do you guys see? What do you guys feel about the current state of rock? What's happening and where it's going and what you've been observing over the last decade or so? So I, if I remember correctly, Gene Simmons was saying, rock is dead and you, the fan, killed it. He's right. And what he's talking about is all the Napster stuff. And, you know, when it comes to Gene, I think he's got a point somewhat, but it just comes across so greedy and all about money. And what he's talking about is all that Napster, all that downloading and stealing that, you know, that music and all this Spotify, one million Spotify plays and the band gets $2. It's hard for a band to get started when bands in like his arrow getting started, you know, the record company would take care of them. And, you know, they toured to support the album, right? Now they'll throw an album out just so they go out on tour to have something to play. With that changing of the market, there's no, you know, rock is, it's not, it's not competing with the rest. The other part to it is, I remember him specifically saying, that, like, the grunge area, the Nirvanas and all that stuff, they killed the rock star. That they took away that image of a rock star being flashy and balls and having a personality and being out there to being, like he said, somebody's grandfather, like, up there with raggedy clothes and jeans 
getting all serious and not to be appreciated versus the hip hop artist who's flashing money, who's flashing girls, who's flashing out their bling, their cars, fancy lifestyle. And kids are like, yeah, that's what I want to be. He's like, that's the rock star these days. And rock instead took itself too serious and lost that ground where the kids were. It wasn't cool anymore. You know, do you want to dress like, you know, Nirvana or do you want to dress like P Diddy and, and be out the clubs and look like a, a million bucks and get a million women and be in the movies and be in the videos and doing crazy stuff. And I think that really put a dent into it. And there's been just no real bona fide super group. I have this conversation with Tom all the time. There's another point I wanted to make since I say the nineties ended, you tell me, and I agree with Gene. You tell me the band that you think is going to headline the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame after the after the 90s. That can't miss. Whose album, when it comes out, you run to the store and get. And it's going to be double platinum, triple platinum within the year. I don't know of anybody. That was after the 90s. Well, there's a lot to unpack there with what you just said. Okay, let's talk about the frontman. Let's talk about the frontman era. We both grew up, all, or I'm sorry, all three of us grew up in an era where the frontman was the big deal. You know, the David Lee Roths, the Vince Neils, the Freddie Mercury's. Everybody that was part of that era knew who the frontman was in these rock bands, right? Because you couldn't take your eyes off of them. They were they were the show for the most part for most bands. However, in my opinion, as the '80s wore on. Okay, it became less about the music and more about the image. When you think about some of those bands coming out in the late 80s and then in the early 90s, right? Bands that like you never even heard of. Like you'd, you'd open up a magazine at the newsstand or whatever, whatever it was Metal Edge or Circus or Hip Raider, and you'd see pictures of these bands that you never even heard a song of, whether it was like Hurricane Alice or whether it was like, you know, YYZ or whatever. You, you'd see these pictures, but like, oh, I never heard of these guys because, and it was different because the radio stations, the rock stations that you were listening to previously were always playing new rock, right? We're always playing the new bands. And it almost became like this big push to just sign everybody that looked pretty, you know, with hairspray and long hair. Forget about what they sounded like. Let's just, it was a big money grab. So when the grunge era came about, Everyone wants to talk about Nirvana killing rock and roll. I think that era has much to do, much more to do about killing that era of rock music than the grunge movement did because I think people just got sick and tired of the cookie-cutter bands that were coming out in the early 90s and late 80s that offered nothing new. I mean, when you think about the 80s in general, right, you think about the early period where it was much more raw music, your Y&Ts, your early Maidens, your Saxons, your early Dockins, and so on and so forth. And then Motley Crue releases Home Sweet Home. They have that picture on the back of Theater of Pain all glammed up, and then everybody's got the teased hair and the makeup, and everyone's got the power ballad, right? And then as the era went on into the you know late 80s, early 90s, it just became more and more the same. Nothing, you know, outside of Guns N' Roses, really, and a few other bands, no one was really offering anything different until Nirvana. And I think people got so 
sick and tired of you couldn't tell the difference between one band and the other in the end that it was a refreshing difference all right it was a difference in type of style and type of music it was much more serious you know it took me a while to warm up to that era of music i rejected it when i was in high school you know i always liked soundgarden and like alice in chains because they were kind of more heavier um but you know the nirvanas i still can't listen and turn nirvana without grinding my teeth but um but I do understand why that had to be because it got so far out of what it was trying to accomplish that there was no other way to bring it back in, right? There was no other way to harness it rather than just completely just completely get rid of it, just completely be done with it. And I, I think the bands in the music industry at that time should take much more responsibility about killing that era of music instead of blaming, you know, the grunge movement. Yeah, I think, so, yeah, we're getting, we're getting into it now, which is, this is a great topic here. So I think we'll, we'll get into whether rock is dead. We'll, I want to cover that, but, but in terms of the timeline that you're talking about, about what may have killed rock, I think it was kind of a perfect storm here with, you know, with me because, you know, you like you said, the early '80s, then then the mid '80s, then the late '80s. You had the oversaturation of cookie cutter glam bands. Um, you know, then you had the breakthrough with the grunge bands, um, and you had you know the great ones. You know, you had Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots. Whether or not what you think of them, you know, then you had some alt, quote unquote alternative rock bands that weren't necessarily grunge, um, and they kind of ruled those those early to mid 90s you know you had those Lollapalooza tours that that killed you know bands like Jane's Addiction Red Hot Chili Peppers then as the 90s progressed what happened then is what you saw in the 80s okay where how can I make my money I can make I can take a a detuned downtuned guitar I can make a a song with a couple killer you know heavy riffs like an Alice in Chains or a Soundgarden but you're not going to sound the same and and a lot of those bands started to oversaturate the 90s like we had in the 80s and then not only did that happen, but then right around 2000-ish, give or take, you had the introduction of Napster and streaming music, okay? The whole Napster thing, that went down. Um, you know, everybody knows the story about, you know, them getting caught, Metallica, et cetera, et cetera. But then that kind of ushered in that new era of, you know, burning CDs, um, you know, streaming music whether or not you're going to pay for it. I think everybody remembers not only Napster, but things like LimeWire, you know, all those sites out there. It allowed you to now kind of focus on hits, on singles, on songs that you knew, okay? We grew up with, okay, I like Motley Crue. I'm going to go get the new album. I don't really know any songs on it, but I'm going to buy it. And holy crap, there are a ton of great songs on here that I would have never discovered if I didn't buy this disc. Okay. So you had that happen. So now kids are like, Oh, I can, I can rip any song I like from, you know, uh, whatever band say Pearl jam. Okay. Uh, you know what? I like, I like Pearl jam verses, but you know, six of those songs are garbage. So I'm not going to listen to those. I'm going to listen to three of these. And then bands, I think, started getting a little hip to the fact that, okay, ooh, now we can re- release CD singles like bands started doing in the 80s with the cassette singles. So I think you saw a confluence of things happening with the style of music, the way music was consumed, and I think that album-oriented thing that we had when we were younger, whether it was with vinyl or CDs, where you would you'd get the new album from your, your favorite band and rip it open, 
read the liner notes, read the lyrics, and listen to it start to finish, and you're like, wow, this is fantastic. Now, music is kind of forced onto you because here's a hit, you're going to like it, let's see if it gets 5 million downloads. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you a lot on that. The only thing I would say, though, is I don't think rock's any different than the other genres in terms of how people absorb it now, right? I mean, it's a totally different experience yep. in that there is no experience. There's no physical experience with any music right now unless you go out and buy the physical CDs, which I still do. I still buy the physical copy. But the younger generation doesn't have that, right? So they don't appreciate it. It used to be, and I've say, said this before on many episodes, that you go to the record store on a Friday after you got paid working at the grocery store or wherever you worked. You bought one or two CDs. You cruised around in the car with your friends. You went and got burgers or hot dogs or whatever, and you just would listen to it. And then you get home, and the next day you'd open up and you'd look at the, you know, you'd inspect the cover art more, and you'd look at the back cover of it. You'd take out the, the CD or, the, or you know, the cover of it, and you read the liner notes. You read the lyrics. So you digested that album over a week, right? I mean, you'd listen to the album over and over and over again. I mean, I still remember you know, my brother buying Doc and Back for the Attack. And I remember, I don't know how many times I listened to that in his room with him in like a week. And it was, it was, it was such an experience, right? Because that's what, you know, it was like, that's what you looked forward to because music was my world and it sounds like it was your guys' you know, world too. So every time something new came out of a band that you liked or, um, you know, a new band that you were looking forward to hearing or if you saw the video on MTV, you'd go out and buy it, right? Like you said, you know, you wouldn't stream it. You'd go out and purchase the album. The Napster had a huge influence in how we absorb music. And I think, you know, in the, in the, after the, the Y2K and that era, I want to say 2000 to 2010, I always consider that kind of the lost period of rock and roll, of hard rock, because I don't really know of any great band. I mean, Buck Cherry came out during that era, and there were a couple others, but there was no one really that would, like, take over rock and roll again during that period. You had a lot of bands like Third Eye Blind, and you had a lot of bands like Smash Mouth, you know, these bands that really didn't stand out. There was no member of the band that was like, you know, like a David Lee Roth or like a, you know, a Vince Neil or like a Rob Helford or whatever. They were all kind of, you know, kind of, meh, all right, you know. So there really wasn't a lot of great rock and roll released in that period. And a lot of the stuff that came out, Matchbox 20s, all that kind of stuff, was it was kind of, it really didn't move me, right? It didn't really connect with me. It was kind of bland, to kind of probably the best word to put it. It was, it was nothing special. You know, Zeus brought up a point, you know, who's going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame coming out, you know, now with new music and, and what are the new bands now? Guys, there is a whole ton of new bands coming out. One of the bands that I absolutely love is Rival Sons. And in my opinion, that is the new face of rock and roll. I've seen those guys live twice. They are the real deal. Okay. Live, I mean, Jay Buchanan just is incredible live performer. They've got the Sabbath, they've got the blues, they've got the Zeppelin influences, they've got a lot of free influences with Paul Rogers. They are the real deal. And if I were to choose one band, and if I would probably pick a number two with more of a southern rock feel, is Blackberry Smoke. Um, I've seen those guys live several times. They nail it. They're awesome. 
Um, so those, I think, are the two bands that have been around since about 2010. But over the last year to five years, there's a whole bunch of stuff coming out that I think is awesome. The question is, are when are the classic rock bands going to be open to listening to the new music and sharing it with their kids? And when is it going to resonate with the younger generation? There's a, I mean, this is such a great discussion. There's so many points made by both of you guys that I'm like, you know, I agree here. I agree there. Mm, I, I disagree here. But I think what I want to jump on is what Tom was saying. And I, I want to push back a little. What, you know, I, I'm not sure. I thought I, I was hearing that you feel like rock and pop and all of them had the same impact with the, you know, the downloads and all that. I, I, I here, Here's how I look at it. Rock fans we're way more into the physical, you know, product. Yes, I agree. You bought, you bought Iron Maiden, their CD or album. You're looking at it. You're opening it up. You want to know the lyrics. Okay. So when it comes out a new album, you're not going on and go, what's the single in downloading a song from the new Iron Maiden album. No one's doing that. They're buying the album. So now, are, are the same fans of Shakira like, oh, I can't wait for her new album? Or are they going to, uh, oh, I like Shakira. Yeah, I hear that song in the club. I'm going to download that or, you know, I'm going to stream that. I feel that is more in tune, pop, forgettable. Ah, yeah, put it on my phone and then just it's gone. But you're not buying the whole album. So that whole streaming philosophy in that whole now, you know, the way we get our music, I think is catered to the hip hop where it's not the album. It's the you're song, right. You're, the yeah. Zeus, and you're, what's you're, on the radio Zeus, versus rock where it's always had its history of, you know, that legendary album. You don't buy Pearl Jam to, to listen to a song or download a song. You download the Pearl Jam album and you know, you don't really download it. You want to buy it. And with the LP now making its, come back someone i'm a cd guy just like you i i don't buy anything i don't download anything i have i still have thousands of cds um for me now that the album has come back i think rock is gonna get that surge back like you're talking about and there was this 10 year gap it's like a professional sports team when they didn't draft good for like five to six seven <laughs> years it killed the product and now they're like, okay, we got to throw our arms up, and now we got to start drafting well and build from the draft. That's what Rock seems to be doing because they lost 10 good years of really nothing special coming out, and now you're starting to hear about a lot of good young bands. And I think that was an excellent point that you made about that. Well, you're absolutely right about the streaming and the downloading. And I don't know if you heard the episode with Chris from 360 Sound Blog. Um, he talks about... CDs and why manufacturers are slowing down production or lowering production is because the hip hop industry and the pop music genre, you know, not, not the industry, but the hip hop genre and the, and the pop genre don't make CDs anymore. They don't put out CDs. They just put out a single and their fans download it. So that's why rock is suffering because like you said, rock and roll is an experience you need to buy the physical format in order to you to get the full enjoyment out of it. hundred percent. Absolutely. But because we don't do as rock bands, 
enough to support new music, whether it's new music by existing bands or new bands, okay, we're losing out, okay? We're allowing the hip-hop genre and the pop genre and, a little, and, and also the country genre to dictate what is happening in rock and roll, okay? And that's what I mean about rock bands turning their backs on rock and roll, Classic rock is only going to be around for so much. It's only going to be around for, for another, probably another decade, right? I mean, you talk about Kiss. They're at the end of the road. I mean, how many more tours is Maiden going to do? How many more tours is Metallica going to do? How many more tours is Aerosmith, ACDC, whatever, right? The only band at the yeah. end of the day in the next 10 years that probably is going to be able to fill a stadium is Foo Fighters, okay? Right? So there's no bands coming up after that with the – equal level of popularity so we're allowing these other genres to dictate what's going to happen to us and the rock band hasn't woken up yet to what's going to happen right because i hear it daily daily i hear it new rock sucks they don't know their instruments like they did before they're not the van halens they're not the led zeppelins they're not this they're not that guess what folks they're not supposed to be right they're not supposed to be like Van Halen. They're not supposed to be like Kiss. They're not supposed to be like Zeppelin. They're their own band, and they're kicking ass. I can give you a list of 20, 25 band names, new bands, right off the top of my head. I can give you a list of albums released by artists we all know, new albums that are kick-ass, but there's no infrastructure for new music in rock. Like we, you know, we, we touched on country on my Twitter page yesterday, right? Why do country fans support new music more so than rock fans. And we got into this, you know, discussion about, oh, it's country pop now and it's not really country. You know, that, that doesn't mean anything, right? Because country as it is now and it has it's evolved is being supported by its fan. New country, whether you think it's country pop, first of all, the people that are, are chiming in about country don't even listen to country. Most of them don't. They're just making an observation from afar. But whether you want to call it or not, whether you want to talk about how good the music is or not, their fans are still supporting it. And then you get the fan that says, oh, you know, rock fans are, you know, are more picky. You know, we, we, we want more from our artists. Really? Really? You're really going to do, do that argument? You know, I mean, you know, I, like we talked about Kiss, right? I mean, Kiss is not a band for, for rocket scientists, right? I mean, Kiss is, Kiss is a good time <laughs> rock and roll band. Right, right. Kiss is, Kiss is not, it's a good time rock and roll band. There's no thinking involved when you, when you listen to Kiss. There's no discussion of how they delivered the rhythm or the, or the vocals on it or how, I mean, you know what? It's Kiss. It kicks ass. It's rock and roll. People shut up and we listen to it, right? There's no, you know, elitist attitude when it comes to rock, right? And I get that comment. That's an, that's an elitist thought that, you know, rock is this entity that is, you know, philosophers and experts. You know, no, it's not. No, it's not. Okay, maybe Rush. Okay, <laughs> maybe Rush, but that's really about it. <laughs> but my my whole point is that, you know, there's always an excuse. Rock, new rock bands are kicking ass right now. Here's another thing that that bothers the shit out of me when I when I look at the current state of rock. Okay, instead of going out on a Friday and Saturday night. And going to see a cover band, a band that plays music that is not their own, okay? And instead of you spending 5 to 10 bucks for a cover charge in beers at the bar and listening to people play music that is not their own, go spend 15 bucks and go see a new band. I spent 
$18 to go see Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown and Temperance Movement. Two great bands, right? I went and saw, I went, and, I spent 14 bucks to go see Dirty Honey during the summer, right? Dirty Honey is this kick-ass band, okay? There are plenty of bands out there that are up and coming that you won't break the bank on to go see, and it's good music, and it's a good time, but people want to go spend their 150 to 200 buck tickets on Kiss or Paul McCartney or Aerosmith or whatever. Guys, once those guys are, are gone, what's, what are we going to have? What are we going to have? You know? So I get fired up when I talk about this because I absolutely agree with both you guys that, you know, rock and roll is an experience, but are rock fans still experiencing it the way it should be? I don't, they're not going to shows, right? They're not, they're not going to see the young bands. They're not supporting the young artists. You know, I don't know what it's going to take for them to wake up. I, I honestly feel Mike brought this up. KRA li, uh, lives uh, 2019 on Twitter. It's time to forget the classic rock bands because I don't know if they're going to change. I don't know if they are. I mean, what do you guys think? Well, Jay, you bring up a ton of great points here. In terms of new rock music, okay, I, I'm a fan of of new rock okay but here's the thing with rock fans or rock music right now it takes a lot of work yes. to be a rock fan because rock, being a rock fan right now is very proactive you have to seek it out okay being a pop fan it's very reactive it's thrown at you okay it's thrown at you whether you're playing a video game whether you're watching a tv commercial whether you're watching uh you know some kind of award show or anything being a rock fan takes a lot of work, okay? It's out there, okay? You just talked about how you know it's out there, and I know it's out there. Um, you know, one of the big things, and I talk about this all the time, um, and, I, and I bring it up to Zeus all the time too, satellite radio is pretty much the only place where you can get a chance to constantly listen to new bands. If anybody out there has Sirius XM and you're not listening to Octane, you're missing out on, a lot, on, on an experience with a lot of new bands out there, okay? Some good, maybe some not so good, okay? But they always have uh, specials on that channel where they, you know, you know, new, new rock, um, you, know, you know, profiling bands that, that you maybe have never even heard of. Um, but then getting back to what you said about a band like Rival Sons or, um, you know, Blackberry Smoke, bands like that, those bands are taken off and, and they're becoming very popular. But again, you have to, search out to find them because getting back to one of our points that we brought up previously, those bands aren't really singles oriented bands. They're, they're album concert bands, which I think is a great thing. But in terms of getting out there to the masses, you go on iTunes or, you know, Apple music as it is now you go on Spotify, Pandora. Um, everything you're going to see out there is, is a singles oriented band. Now, granted, a lot of these services are going to say, are going to say, you know, if you like Rival Sons, you may like this band, and that's that's wonderful. But again, that takes work. That takes a lot of work, and a lot of rock fans, you know, I'm guilty of it sometimes too. Uh, you know, my phone is loaded with tons of music, some of it old, some of it new. And and I, uh, you know, I think I think it's 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 kind of a struggle um, to 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 get yourself exposed to new rock. Um, you have to take the time and put into it. You have to read up on it. You have to follow the right Twitter pages, the right Facebook pages. Um, if you're on a streaming site, you know, expose yourself to, you know, some of those, the, the, you know, some of the things that allow you to, to learn about new bands. Um, cause they're out there. Um, and, and the bands that you said, 
you know, there are other great bands too. Some may may more popular. Um, you know, the thing about you know, say even like a band like Greta Van Fleet. You know, some people love them, some people hate them. They're great, and they're and they're producing new hard rock, but they're also producing rock that some people may say kind of harkens back to that classic '70s guitar-driven rock, which is not a bad thing. It's awesome. It's probably one of my favorite genres of music. But there's also new metal out there too. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I keep, I keep. It's, it's almost like I'm doing a sales pitch for Satellite Radio, Sirius XM. But you know, that's pretty much the only place where you can, you know, quote unquote, passively experience new music. You know, if you put on Liquid Metal, you're going to hear new, new, new metal bands. You put on Octane, you're going to hear that. Um, you know, e- e- even some of the other channels. You know, like e- even uh, Ozzy's Boneyard. You know, they'll play new songs from classic bands. Um, but you know some of the streaming sites, as great as some of those services are, um, with guiding you towards music that's new, that's similar to what you may already have in your library. Again, it comes down to being a rock fan takes a lot of work. Uh, being a pop fan is very easy. Um, those bands are very singles oriented. You know they throw those out there. That you know they saturate themselves out in media. Um, and, and a lot of the music, unfortunately, it, it might be great. You maybe dance to it, you know, tap your feet to it, or whatever. Have a good time with it. Play it at a party. But most of it is kind of disposable and not very memorable. You know, a band that I personally love, and they're not like a rival son, they're not like a Blackberry Smoke, but a band like Chevelle, okay? They've been around since 99. It's now 2019. They're still around. They're never going to sell at arenas. I saw them at a venue that held about 3,000 people. They absolutely tore the roof off. Their music is, is kind of heavy, a little bit tool-like, kind of sludgy sometimes. Um, but they sound amazing and they've been around for 20 years and I love them, but the only way I'm exposed to their new music is by following them on their social media pages and by checking in on the, on the streaming sites. Occasionally satellite radio may play them. Um, so, you know, I guess in summary, rock is not dead. Okay. But you need to put the work in sometimes to find it. Um, if you want to just, you know, put on, you know, your, your, your Pandora, your Spotify, you know, that's, that's fine. That's fine. But rock music is not dead. And, you know, as much as we love Gene Simmons, he can kind of go F himself with a quote like that. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. You know, I mean, that's why it's important when you do visit these bands, social media pages, whether it's a YouTube page or a Facebook page, it's important for you to like it or subscribe to it because that's what radio, that's what whatever, you know, when they're choosing a band to perform here, you know, they're looking for demographics that they're going to be able to sell to advertisers. When they see subscribers and people who like the page and it's a, it's a high amount, they're going to have a seat at the table. They're going to be, they're going to have interest from record companies or TV shows or whatever. But the bottom line is we talked about in the last episode, radio brings in still $20 billion worth of advertisement, right? So there's a lot of money still in radio. But there's no infrastructure for rock when it comes to radio. And I want to compare it again to country. You know, country radio stations, there's one or two in every market. Whenever a new artist comes out, they promote them. And they they put them into the wheel, right? They keep playing them. They have, country music has its own television station. CMT, right? Uh, Country music television. So they have spotlights every week for new artists. And rock doesn't have anything like that. Rock doesn't have a way for a band to climb up the ladder, right? They're pretty much left on their own. And maybe that's a good thing. I don't know, but it's not helping its cause. 
It's not helping what's going to happen in 20 years. I mean, you mentioned Chevelle. I mean, there are bands from that era, 99, you know, and on that have come out and have a sustained level of success and have keep performing and keep putting out music. But when Gene Simmons says rock is dead, we all know rock's never, rock's always going to be around. But the way I look at it is, is rock going to have any influence or any impact on the generations like we had, like we lived through? Right now, the answer is going to be no unless thing, things change dramatically. I agree with a lot of that. Uh, and, and, and again, I think that kind of piggybacks on, you know, what I said about how, how it takes work to be a rock fan. Right. And unfortunately, that's not the way that rock music is going to be exposed. You, you, you're right. They're not doing a good job the way country music is. Um, you know, and one thing I'll say about country music, I'm a casual fan of country music. My wife is a huge fan of country music. You know, every summer, Kenny Chesney comes to Gillette Stadium where the Patriots play. We go. We have a great time. Tailgate. Everybody's enjoying themselves right in the middle of the summer. I think the thing that country music has that rock doesn't, and again, I'm generalizing, and forgive me if I'm insulting a portion of your audience. I don't mean to. Rock doesn't really have that female audience, Um, and country music does. You know, there's a lot of bands out there. When we go to country shows, Kenny Chesney, I'd probably say it's, 70 30 60 40 female to male which is great that's great you go to a show like rival sons or you go to a so you know a recently i saw uh shinedown you know a, a very uh you know they're not a heavy band but they're a band that i love they've been around for uh you know 20 years about um that's you're gonna see majority of guys at that and if there are women with them it's you know it's maybe because you know i took my wife along she likes some of the shinedown music so i think that also contributes to it too is that the audience you know it's it's a little bit more difficult to to saturate the market with rock um so i i mean but you're right i think country music is kind of cornering that market right now but the country music sound has evolved a little bit too i think uh zeus may have something to say about that as well yeah um so i probably between the two of you guys i'm the biggest country fan during my college days i transitioned from the glam metal to grunge and I also added that was the Garth Brooks explosion so I got into country and I follow the genre up and down there's a couple things the difference between country and you know rock or hard rock or metal or anything like that stuff number one is tradition it, country is, is all about tradition uh, right from the beginning older artists are revered and they're always welcoming younger artists. And it's no big deal to the new, see the newest, youngest hit maker go, I want to sing a song with George Strait. And all of a sudden, you got the guy that's almost 70 singing a big hit, and he's big on the radio. And the young girl gets a lift by playing with them. They always do that stuff. Young and old, they all mix. They're always doing tradition. Now, I know new countries getting a lot of, you know, backlash. Oh, it's not traditional country. It's different. It's not that country always goes through this phases. They went through in the sixties with the Nashville sound. They went through in the eighties. Remember the whole urban cowboy, Eddie rabbit, Kenny, uh, uh, Rogers, you know, that pop kind of country. Eddie rabbit was my first concert. Yeah. Yeah. It was, Oh my God, this isn't real and stuff. And then what happened? A guy like Randy Travers comes in and all of a sudden he, Oh my God, he's a traditionalist. Then Alan Jackson comes in, and all of a sudden Garth Brooks comes in, Clint Black, Travis Tritt, 
Patty Love. All of a sudden, now you got this huge country uh, uh, boom again. It, it's cyclical, and they're always rebuilding. Plus, the other big thing about country is they have that grand old Opry, and that is there, and it's there. It's a permanent spot for old and new stars to be made. Where is that for rock? That old Opry, say what you want, that builds country. Like young starlets are still going to Nashville to become a songwriter and to get onto the Opry stage. And they're still given that opportunity. We don't have that. We used to have, like, oh, in New York City to get onto those legendary clubs and play. And some of them now in L.A., still some of those, you know, hard rock clubs are still legendary. They want to play. Where did Kiss just played somewhere? Where did they play? The Rainbow or something? Where did they play? The Whiskey. And they came back, right? Something like that. Rock has some of that, but not as much. So whereas a young band can say, we just headline this. That's our stepping stone. And people can go to it. But is there one like that that's a central focal point for rock? Mm, not really. So for me, country's going to always be there. That's not going anywhere. That's their genre that's going to stay. Rock will... You know, like I said earlier, it, it, it's it's getting there. Um, I think they lost ten years of poor draft choices, <laughs> and uh, but now they've put their eye on the ball and they're and they're trying to get uh, you know build up. And uh, there will be a new uh, there'll be a new generation. But what they really need is the um, is those rock stars and bands that are rock stars. We knew who Slash was. We knew who Steven Adler was. Let me ask you, who's the guitarist for Dawkins? George Lynch. Or now, John Levin. Yeah. No, no, no. Who's the guitarist? Let me say Dawkins. The guitarist for Rad. Uh, Warren DeMartini. Right. Yeah. Okay. We know all those guys. Those guys are rock stars. Even, I mean, I know. I don't know if you do. I don't want to put you on the spot. I knew who the drummers were in those bands. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Me too, man. All the drummers now in most of these bands. They need that rock star to be something. Like, not just... You know, maybe I, maybe I'm, I'm my goals are too high, but you know, don't, the biggest guy rock star considered now is what Adam Levine? Oh God! Right. <laughs> He's a good-looking guy. He's oh, on the voice. Please, let me, please, uh, Jay. Jay, if I, can, <laughs> if I can jump in and ask a question of you and Zeus, that maybe you know to kind of kind of pick your brains on a theory here, <laughs> if you don't mind. Do you think that, like talking about country? Um, do you think that, and I'm, and I'm not saying that this is true, I'm just kind of speculating, do you think that one of the problems with rock right now is that some of the quote-unquote old, the old guard of rock and metal, you know, Kiss, um, you know, Iron Maiden, uh, you know, The Who, The Stones, do you, do you think that those bands are kind of suffocating the ability for young bands to grow and take over? I mean, for example, I have a friend that I work with who uh, the Who is touring. He saw them at Fenway Park in Boston. The Who have been around for 50 years, and that's terrific that they're touring, okay? Kiss, okay? Some people may say that they're dinosaurs, whatever. They're selling out all over the world. Iron Maiden is still doing the tour. This is great that they're still there. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But because those, those bands are like on people's Mount Rushmore's of the greatest of all time in rock and metal, and they are constantly touring, and they're constantly appearing anywhere, everywhere, are they suffocating younger bands? And here's another thing I want to mention that Zeus and I have brought up on our KISS podcast. Are these younger bands, uh, excuse me, are these bands like KISS? We know that they're not doing it. 
but Iron Maiden, the Who, Who, etc. What happened to the era of iconic bands taking new and upcoming bands on tour with them to expose them to the masses? When my friend saw the Who at Fenway Park, with all due respect, Peter Wolf from the Jay Giles band opened up for him. Okay? Kiss is touring right now. They have a goddamn painter opening up for them, with all due respect to him. When we grew up, the 70s, the 80s, even the 90s, these huge arena-selling, stadium-selling bands, they took new bands with them, and it exposed that crowd to this new music, and they would be like, holy crap, I didn't really know about this band, but I just saw them play a 45-minute set. I want to hear their music. Amen. Um, I don't think they're suffocating the new bands, to answer your first part of your question. Um, But I think it ties into your second part, where I don't see those bands being the catalyst for the younger bands, right? So, like you said, Kiss has a fucking painter opening up for them right now. A fucking painter, right? And and let's be honest. Let's yep. let let let's just call truth what it is. The only reason why they got a painter opening up for them is because Gene and Paul want to keep the money. They don't want to pay a band. Okay, I mean I can only imagine what they're paying that painter per show. Maybe two thousand bucks, twenty five hundred bucks, or whatever. You know, or fifteen hundred, maybe. Yeah, but wait, 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 wait. So Metallica had a comedian. Yeah, yeah can, that, that can, was that was a what's that weird? about. That was a rarity, though. Yeah. No, no, they've had, like, comedians. When did they open up with bands? I mean... No, I saw... I mean, on our last episode, even Jericho mentioned it. That's fucking Paul. Not Gene. He goes, that's fucking Paul putting that painter on. Well, yeah, yeah. And and, and, and he thought that was an absolute joke. He he was right with you. Yeah. Um, But, you know, Metallica's got paint. Other people have done gimmicks like that. Right. They don't want to deal with the bands anymore. They don't. Well... Exactly. But but here's... Yeah, yeah. So, So I saw Metallica a few years ago with my son, and they had Avenged Sevenfold and Volbeat open up for him, right? So, you, you know, newer bands, younger bands, so they do do a lot of that. The Jim Brewer thing, I love Jim Brewer, but I didn't, I didn't know how that was going to work, and I think it was just an experimentation. Plus, I think Jim Brewer is a really good friend of theirs, so I think there was some motivation in that aspect, but that really isn't the norm for Metallica. I mean, I think Metallica right now, I think they did have Greta Van Fleet opening up for him and South America. But yep. you look yeah. at the rumor, the big rumor for next year is Maiden and Priest are going to tour together. The rumor for the opening band is Testament. Why? Why Testament? Testament's not going to help them sell tickets. They don't need Testament to help them sell more tickets. Why not take a band that's in the UK right now, like a Rider's Creed or a Massive Wagons? There's so many rock bands in the UK and Europe right now. Why not take one or two of those bands, if they take two of them, have have them play a half hour apiece, and get them some exposure? The only band that I know of, you know, of of the old guard, right, that is doing that right now is Deep Purple. And right now, Deep Purple has Joyous Wolf opening up for them. And Joyous Wolf is one of my favorite new bands right now. They are phenomenal. A band that can merge the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s sound in one and make it sound Fresh and modern. If you haven't checked them out, check out their EP, Place and Time. It is incredible. There's bands like Dirty Honey. There's bands like Black Coffee. There's bands like Tyler Bryant. There's band. I mean, there's so many, so many, so many bands. And you're right, Tom. The, I don't think bands are suffocating the new ones because I think that popularity that they have 
and that pull that they have can be turned into a positive, except they're not turning into a positive. Okay, they're not doing anything with it. Um, I don't know why. I mean, Judas Priest took Uriah Heep out on tour with them over the summer. Uriah freaking Heep, okay, yep. is not going to sell more tickets for Judas Priest. Okay, they're not. I don't know why they're not doing it. Only a few bands are, are taking new acts out, and I think it's wrong. I don't think it's helping the cause of rock and roll. It's a definite part of the problem. So, um, so some of the some of the great ways, you know, that you you're, that some of these bands are being exposed. It, 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 it's it's a positive and a negative. You see these massive like two three day rock festivals. You know, like the Download Festival. I think it is. And, you know, Rocklahoma. You know, things like this, and they're terrific, but the problem is they're in one location and they last a few days. And, you know, I understand you have, you know, 40, 50, 80 bands, whatever, you know, you're not going to be able to have that touring circus with that. I get that. But, you know, if, if you know, I know, you know, I, I mentioned Lollapalooza in the 90s. That was an unbelievable way to see top tier number one bands. But then they'd bring a slew of up-and-coming unknown or even middling alternative or grunge or punk bands. You know, if if metal or hard rock tried to do something like that rather than just, you know, a Rocklahoma that's three days long in one location, if if somebody, if, you know, Perry Farrell was, was an absolute friggin' genius when he created Lollapalooza, okay? If somebody could come along and do that and have it be a tour instead of just a location or even one of these cruises which you know i'm sure they're fun but if somebody like a, a, a rock version of perry farrell could come around and say hey look at what Lollapalooza did for alternative rock in the 90s you know that was an iconic generational experience that those bands and people like me who went to a ton of them every year had wouldn't that be a way that you could travel around the country around the world and show off these bands that you're talking about that maybe not everybody knows and if you wanted to have a band like you know iron maiden be the be the number one draw you know, but then, the, but then take along, you know, 10 other bands that maybe nobody ever knew, ever heard of, you know, like I said earlier, there are ways for rock to get out there, but they have to work harder at it. And I don't know how hard, you know, that work wants to get, you know, wants to get done, wants to be put in. Let me be a uh, devil's advocate here. So uh, we talk about those bands and why aren't they bringing us up? I'm just going to, I'm going to say maybe he, I'm thinking out loud. You know, maybe a band like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, they're like, well, wait a minute. You know, we're, you know, this is our lifestyle. We've made tons of money. I don't want to deal with the headaches. Just like Kiss doesn't want to deal with Ace Fraley and his drama and shit. Iron Maiden maybe doesn't want to deal with a young band. What are they going to do? What's my crowd going to do? And guess what? Maybe they're friends with Testament people and they want to throw them a bone. Be like, you know what? You guys can make some money. You guys are our buddies. Why don't you come on tour with us? And so they've made their money, they've made their stuff, and they're, and they're just like, you know what? I don't want the drama. Let's bring an old buddy of ours. We're, we're the big shots now. We can afford to do that. It's my decision. I don't want to give some young 25-year-old idiots up there that I know nothing about. We're big enough. We don't need to put up with that shit. Let's bring our buddies along. Maybe that's part of the philosophy, but you're right as far as, like, the kiss, you know, and, and the painter. That's just fucking awful and we've heard we've said that enough on our podcast that's just awful but maybe that's where iron maiden and judas priest is thinking with testament i guess right 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think... I, I don't know if there's any drama with bringing an opening band, though. I mean, like, they, they travel separately. You know, they don't travel together. I, and I don't know. I think a band like Judas Priest or Iron Maiden, who's in the, you know, the back nine of their career, uh, wants to have maybe part of their legacy is breaking a new band, you know, exposing a new band. I mean, that would be a, a great cherry on top of their, of their legacy to say, hey, you know, the last couple tours they did, they brought these kick-ass new bands out. And look, you know, five years down the road, look where they're at. And they can thank Iron Maiden and Judas Priest for that. I don't know if that, yeah. you know, I, I understand what you're thinking, but I don't know if that really goes into their decision. I think what happens is management teams get with other management teams. They want to, they want to put together a package that people that they think that they can sell. I think when they're putting together a package with Testament, they're underestimating the power of Maiden and Priest. They don't need Testament to sell tickets. How I mean, you're right. I mean, if exactly. you hear if you hear Iron Maiden and Judas Priest are coming, you're already going. Oh, Testament's playing. Oh, okay. You know, it's like, you know, like that's not going. That's not going to seal the deal on your decision. You're already sold the minute you hear the first two bands, right? Absolutely. So yeah, I, no, I don't that's know. That's not putting anybody over. Like oh, Testament. Yeah, like well, I wasn't gonna go, but now the Testament's gonna play forty-five minutes. I'm gonna go see him. You know, <laughs> that's that's, that's yeah. just not gonna happen. But hey, you know what? Go bring out one of these younger UK bands that are that are really lighting a fire over there, and see what happens. I mean, they brought Ghost out. Maiden brought Ghost out three years ago. Okay, and you know, Ghost has been building and building their audience now for the last several years. Why don't they do that again? I don't know who Iron Maiden brought out this last tour. I don't know on their legacy tour. I don't know if they toured by themselves or had an opening act, but I just think that needs to happen. I think, you know, the only way to really expose rock bands to new rock music is that opening act. I mean, I had I had someone make a ridiculous statement on my Twitter page and I've brought this up several times and I hope he listens and I hope he cringes every time he hears me talk about it. <laughs> he said, uh, I don't go see opening acts because it's a poor waste of my time. Ooh. And I'm like, no. I'm like, yeah, what a fucking idiot. You know, it's like no. the band that you are seeing as the headliner was an opener at once at you know, one time, you know, and I don't know how many bands that I've seen over the years, countless bands that I've seen opening for, you know, the headliner that I became a lifelong fan after seeing them open up for that band. No, I, I agree. I mean, and I remember, my, you know, you know, going to concerts in the eighties and uh, especially the nineties and the early two thousands. When, when you'd buy tickets, you know, obviously this is before the, you know, the, the time of the internet. When, when you got tickets, you were excited. Oh, who's going to open up the Def Leppard? Oh, who's going to open up yeah. the Pearl Jam this year? Or, or, or whatever. And then you'd be like, oh, like you said with Metallica. Oh, shit. Avenged Sevenfold, who I love. Like, they're open for Metallica. That's going to be an awesome night. And, you know, Metallica is the old guard of metal, so there could have been a huge crowd of people there that didn't know who Avenged Sevenfold was. But that band's amazing live. So you see that. And, and it, it just it just confuses me. I mean, maybe Zeus, maybe he's a little bit right. Maybe these older bands, they don't want to worry about it. Jay, maybe you're right. Maybe it's, you know, it, it, it could be the, the music business in general and management. Um, but I think, I think, I think those, 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 you know, those, those classic iconic bands, I think they're missing out. I think, you know, not to get, you know, melodramatic here, but, you know, I think it's kind of their duty to, to do that because like you said, Iron Maiden was an opener one time. Kiss was an opener one time. Judas Priest was an opener one time, you know, be like the big brother to some of these bands and kind of take them on with you. 
And how many videos do we have, Tom, and things where you hear Gene Simmons bragging and listing bands that he gave a start to? Yep. What happened to that, buddy? Absolutely. Where did that go, Gene? When you always start to go, we're proud to say Scorpions, ACDC, Iron Maiden, Rush, Bon Jovi. He used to name these bands all the time. And then it kind of stopped, you know, about five or six years ago, really. They're not doing really much. So the last gonna... time Kiss had a good opener, and it was kind of awkward, we went. It was when yeah. Buck Cherry it was when Buck Cherry up for them. Well, yep. I, I like Buck Cherry. But at that time, they were still kind of they were still kind of popular at that time. It was it wasn't like anybody at Kiss was going to be like, oh, I've never heard of Buck Cherry. But still, it was good to bring them on. They had Dead Daisies open up for them a couple of years ago too. Yeah, we saw them in Worcester. Yeah, they were awesome. Oh, they're a great they band. Awesome. Yep, they were excellent. Yep. I um, I wonder when Gene's going to talk about the world famous painter that they brought on tour with them. In like five six years, we we brought we, uh, we, we brought yeah, the guy with Paul. the paint. That's not Gene. That's all Paul. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's, it's it's. I, I, I will I will never forget. You know when when they when they announced the end of the road tour and everybody was holding their breath for who's going to be the opener. You know, is it going to be the Ace Freely band? Is it going to be you know some kind of Freely's Comet? Bruce Kulick? Is it going to be something? And then what a thud when we find out it's a painter. What? Yeah. Yeah, a lost opportunity, lost a total lost opportunity. Absolutely. So the, the the problem with rock, I think it all starts with the fans. I think it all starts with the want to listen, and I think it all starts with the experience. One of the things I had Christy on um, the last episode, and one of the things we talked about was, like you said, Tom, the experience of when you bought a record when you were younger, that physical experience that everyone has that bond. Every rock fan has that bond, right? You can talk to any random rock fan at a show or anything, and the moment we start talking about albums and CDs and how we absorb them, we all have that same bond. Now, the band Tool just released a new album. It was the first CD that got record companies to stop, to start rethinking you know, them killing the CD format, right? It, it, yep. um, because it was the number one album and the physical sales of the CD were through the roof. And why was that? Because they made the CD packaging unique, something you can't get on Spotify, something you can't get on Pandora. You had to buy the physical copy to experience it. And like vinyl, which is making a comeback, vinyl's making a comeback because of the experience. Right. So you mentioned the festivals, these young college kids who and and let's face it, the younger generation statistics show that they want an experience with what they're doing. So the vinyl albums, the packaging allows them to have that experience. Plus, it's a memorabilia thing, too, as well. You get the white vinyl, the red vinyl, the green vinyl. They have all these different marketing ways to market their their album. So you buy it now. That's got to happen with CDs. I still think CD is the best format digitally. Vinyl, I've said, has a more intimate sound, but there is no better digital sound than a CD. Streaming services pale in comparison to the sound of a CD. So if bands have figured it out, instead of just having the plain cardboard sleeve with the CD in it, okay, that they sell at shows for 10 bucks, look at what Tool did. Tool had this great packaging of the CD, 
And people got off their ass and went to the record store or ordered it through Amazon or ordered it through their website, and they got the physical copy. So if that is a lesson to bands on what it's going to take to bring back that physical connection, because I still think that is the ultimate core to the problems with rock and roll is a lack of physical connection, um, I think they may be onto something, and I think that might be the trend in the future. Look at what Led Zeppelin did, right? If you want to talk, you know, we were originally going to do a deep cut Led Zeppelin show, but Led Zeppelin with Peter Grant got the record company Atlantic and Swan Song later on to package their albums in a way that were different. Remember the the paper bag with the in through the outdoor album, um, yep. the different uh, sleeves for the Presence album, right? So they had all these different ways of packaging it, and that introduced a whole nother avenue of revenue. Now, that kind of stopped. Kiss did that, too. We all know the love gun, and we all know the other things that, you know, with with rock and roll over, with the sticker, and all that stuff. So they knew what they were doing. That's been lost, and I think Tool has brought that back somewhat, and I think that's going to be a trend moving forward. It, It almost has to be. I don't think there's an option. It has to be a trend. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the vinyl. Um, so here in New England is is a, a, a Boston-based store called Newbury Comics. Um, I've ordered records from all, there. <laughs> they're, 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 they're all. I'm I'm not sure if they've made their way out to where you are, Jay. I don't think they have. No, but you can order them online. I've ordered some stuff online from them that I couldn't find anywhere. Okay, they're like in, in the New England region. They're like the leaders in like the vinyl movement. Um, they push record store day. They push new vinyl releases, promos, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, my son, who's 15, uh, we were actually just at Newbury Comics yesterday. Uh, we're recording on a Tuesday right now. We were there um, the other day. <clears throat> and you're right. A lot of these bands are either reissuing um, albums on vinyl or they're either doing anniversary editions or special editions. Uh, but my son, I mean, he's a huge music fan. I mean, he primarily is into like hip hop and rap and stuff like that. But he, but he, he, does, he likes Kiss. He likes Metallica. He likes Dokken. He likes Def Leppard. He likes those bands. And when you see, when you get, you know, somebody like my son, who is a, a, a consumer of music, you know, and it, it is like the hip hop, the rap thing, like most kids his age, you know, he goes into Newbury Comics and sees, you know, a Kiss album, uh, a Pearl Jam album, you know, a Dawkin album, um, you know, a Metallica album. He sees this vinyl and, you know, that kind of clicks in his brain. He's like, Oh, these bands are out there. You know, this might not be a new product, uh, you know, a new album, but to him, it's a new product. And, you know, I think, I think you were right. I think if, if, if some of these bands, you know, newer bands or whatever, if they can kind of get into that vinyl market, cause that's where it is right now, whether people want it or, or, you know, like it or not, you know, I say that the, you know, the hipsters are taking over, but you know what, if, if some of these people can take advantage of that and uh, get this rock music out there, in these record stores that are hard to find, but they're out there, um, you know, that might be an avenue to, to, you know, kind of expose, you know, these kids or, or, you know, maybe not even necessarily kids to the fact that rock music is out there. Um, you know, maybe you can't find the CD of it, but I'll tell you a place like Newbury comics in new England, they have vinyl upon vinyl and, you know, they do their top 10 of the week. They do their new releases. They break it down by category. Um, so it, it, it's good to see. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe that's a way to get, you know, to expose, uh, to get some of this new rock out there. I tell you too, the frustrating thing is, as you guys know, I run these polls on my Twitter feed. You know, some of these polls get a thousand votes, 500 votes, 400 votes, whatever. 
And it's great, right? You know, people are discussing their favorite song or their favorite band or their favorite album. And I love those discussions. But what's frustrating is when I post the new music for people to check out, it's like crickets. It, you know, barely gets any hits. You know, you look at the analytics of the post and it's less than 2% people engaging in it. That's frustrating because that tells me that they're just kind of, you know, going over it. They're not, they're just glossing over it. They're not even clicking on it. And then those are the same people that are glossing over it that say, well, I can't find new rock. I don't know where to find it. Well, you vote in my polls all the time and sandwiched in between the polls is new music and you're not doing anything with it. So that that excuse. It brings back, brings back a little bit of what I said earlier about how being a rock fan takes, it takes energy, it takes right. effort, you know, it, you have to work at it. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, what you just said, these people, they, they don't want to work at it. No. You know, you're, you're advertising and promoting some new rock and they're just like, Oh no, no, I, I don't know. I don't know who this is. So I'm just going to wait for round two of the rush tournament, or I'm going to wait for round two of the rolling stone tour, you know, whatever, which is great. You know, we all, we love those tournaments and those polls. But, you know, that's, that's easy. They can get into a discussion about why La Villa Strangiato is better than YYZ or whatever. And, but they don't care that you're pushing rival sons because that takes energy and effort, you know. And unfortunately, I think that's the reality of it. And here's the secret. I only do those polls so people will click on the new music. I'm using those polls to drive traffic for people to be exposed to the new music. And I'm not going to give up, you know, I mean, that's, that's what I want to do. Right. I mean, so whether I get five hits, a hundred hits, whatever, I'm still going to do the same thing, but that's really the motivation to do the polls is, yeah, I love the rock conversation. I love the, you know, talking, you know, albums and tunes and going down memory lane, but it's really to promote the new music and promote the new bands and that are coming out there, you know? And, And I know in the last episode, we talked about like the new LA guns record. And there's a new Tom Kiefer record out, you know? Yep. These are all yep. great albums and by great artists. And they're not even, re- you know, how many times do you hear, whatever happened to L.A. Guns? Whatever happened to Tom <laughs> Kiefer? Well, guess what, people? Yep. There's this thing called Google at your fingertips. And you can type in L.A. Guns and you can type in Tom Kiefer and you can hit enter. And it'll bring up their website, their Facebook page, their Twitter page. And you can reconnect with all those bands. Stop asking the question. You can ask the question on Twitter, or I'm sorry, on Google. Just Google it. Seriously, quit being a lazy ass. What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) That's funny because it's the same laziness that gives people in in the Twitter polls, which I love. See, I love the seven against nine of your polls. But in the end, I hate the laziness of it, and it drives me nuts. What's going to win? Satisfaction. What's going to win? Rock and roll all night. What's going to win? Uh, Tom Sawyer. What's going to win? Uh, right. Me all right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, guys, there's some great deep cuts in there. Go after those. That's what I love reading the comments. When people start picking up, you know, oh, how is this a number 11? This should be ranked higher. Or, you know, things like that. Not the, you know, here we go, Strutter versus Detroit Rock City. Um, you know, and, and that's that kind of, Laziness. Look into stuff, guys. There's a lot. There's nothing better than finding something new, whether it's a new song by a great band that you didn't even know existed, but you're hearing people talking about this 
you know what? I'm going to go check it out. Same thing with the new band. Oh, Jesus, you know, this guy, I love, I love his opinions because we share a lot of the same likes and a lot of the same bands. He keeps talking about this. Maybe I ought to check it out. Yeah, check it out. Right. You know, I mean, most of the times it's free. Just go on YouTube, go play it on Spotify, whatever. Just you can get it for free. You don't have to buy the CD or go to your friend's dorm room and go, hey, let me borrow that CD from you. (laughs) It's so easy. You guys are lazy. It drives me nuts. I don't know about you guys, but I still get a charge every time I hear new music. That's good. Right. You know, like when I remember when I saw Rival Sons for the first time and I'm at the House of Blues and Jay Buchanan singing and I turn to my friend and I go, holy fuck, these guys are fucking incredible. Like I got chills. Right. Same thing when I saw Tyler Bryant, you know, open up for Blackstone Cherry. I mean, just jamming and jamming. I mean, he's, you know, just his song and his power. Unbelievable. You know, I've seen the struts, man. If you have a chance to see the struts, that is incredible. I mean, Luke Spiller, the, the, the singer from the Struts, is the old school frontman. If you look at Nick Reese from Joyous Wolf, okay, he's got a whole James Brown type of thing to him uh, as a frontman. You know, like the way he moves and the way he gets the crowd. You can't take his eyes off of him. That's old school stuff that's, you know, being brought into more modern music. And that's great. But, you know, like you said, man, it's just like, I love that. I, I just love that new that charge I get when I hear a new song, you know, from from a band I know that's new and it sounds good, or a new band that is kind of undiscovered that's just coming up through the ranks. And it's like, wow, these guys are are fucking phenomenal, you know. Like this, I still get that, and I still and I'm thankful that I haven't lost that. I, I'm thankful that I haven't lost interest in absorbing new music and wanting to hear it. Yeah, well, you know what podcast like yours is you know one of the good outlets for people to find new music so keep doing what you're doing because it it leads to people like me who's kind of an old you know stubborn curmudgeon sometimes about newer music and newer style until I started really listening to podcasts which my partner over here Tom is the one who started getting me into it so a podcast like yours grown up rock and other podcasts like that Open me up to new music because I kind of believed what Gene was saying. No great bands after the '90s, and there are. I just didn't look for them. And but a podcast like yourself, Twitter, the internet, I do the work now, and I do search for them. So keep doing what you're doing, Jay, because it's a service to a lot of people out there. I appreciate that, Zeus. I do. No, nah, man. I, I um. The thing that sells it for me is all these bands that are coming of age, if they were in the era 10, 20 years previous to us, or previous to the era now, they'd be huge. Rival Sons would be gigantic. Blackberry Smoke would be gigantic. All these bands would be gigantic. And now, you know, they're largely falling on deaf ears, and we got to change that. You know, that's the mission statement. Keep rock alive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agreed. Anything else, boys? No, I mean, I think this has been amazing. I think we're all getting our opinions and our thoughts, and you can tell by the three of us that we're uh, extremely passionate about our love for music, especially the rock genre. Um, And I I think you can tell by the the sound of the three of us that we're extremely passionate about where that that 
genre is right now and what can be done and how, you know, we got to just keep pushing and um, doing, doing what, what you're doing, um, you know, with your podcast and your, and your social media outlet and, and uh, pushing these new bands and getting people to, to, to follow them. We just got to yeah, do it, man. And I just, yeah, I wanted to add to, and kind of in closing, um, you know, one of the, one of the things is you have a open invitation Okay, to come on our podcast, shout it out loudcast, and uh, I know one of the topics was the uh, the Vinnie Vincent continuing in Kiss. That we we brought that up last week. It's funny you said that. That got brought up. Like, imagine if he stayed on, how good they could have been because of his songwriting talent. And uh, I would love to have you on to discuss that and a couple other things about Kiss. And keep doing what you're doing. Um, we love the. Uh, we love the uh, the polls. We love your podcast. And uh, one little tidbit for people to hear is one thing I want to share is when you started off and you were talking about you know you were doing your um, your polls. Uh, you know, obviously people don't know this, but um, Jay reached out to us and said, "I know you guys did your polls last year, and you did a we called it the Kiss Makeup Madness." sweet you know basically uh like a march madness to, uh, a poll we did ours obviously during the march uh, basketball madness we did it about kiss you reached out to us and asked not that you needed to and talked to it about us of course we're like go ahead it's obvious no problem but that level of, like you know respect and stuff is something to be commended and me and tom both said oh that's that's so cool of and you tagged us in all of that stuff when you talked about Kiss. That's, uh, I mean, that that's uh, a, a level of uh, of gentlemanship that uh, is much appreciated and much respected. And I want uh, your listeners to know what a great guy you are and what a great podcast you have. And I, and again, for me, and I'm sure Tom agrees with this. We wish you much success. Yeah, I want I want to jump in on that too because I, Zeus and I did have a conversation about that. Um, <clears throat> how gracious, you know, that was. That again, you know, who who are we, you know, that you know you would come in and, and say, hey, you know, I want to do a kiss tournament. What do you think? Um, you know, you know, we just thought that that was you know extremely gracious and you know, like Zeus said, you you, you tagged us in it. Um, you know, the tournament kind of went the way we thought it would go, but. Um, you know, we're big fans of your podcast, big fans of your of your your Twitter feed with the the polls and the tournaments. Um, you know, and you know, we just wish you wish you success, and we're we're so grateful that you took the time to have us on here. Well, I I love listening to your podcast, guys, and I look at you guys as rock and roll brothers. We're all rock and roll family, and I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. I didn't want to step on anybody's vibe, so I I went ahead and asked you guys just to see if it would have been okay. And you guys were great with your response. And I love that I tagged you guys in on all those polls to kind of keep you guys involved. And uh, I do appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, hey, guys. Once again, Zeus and Tom, they shout it out loudcast at SIO loudcast on Twitter. Uh, great pleasure, guys. Awesome having you guys on. I want to come on. You tell me the date to be there on the podcast. I will do it. And you guys have an open invitation to do this again as well. Thank yeah, you so the much. only thing Thank is, Jay, I, um, you're just going to have to dumb it down when you come on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you so much, Jay. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys. Hey, once again, this is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for tuning in. We will all talk again soon. Keep rocking and be that rock soldier. Be that rock music fan that you think you are. Take care. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh yeah, like when I hold the door for someone. Sure, it may be weird if I don't time it right, and they're a little too far away, and now they're running. And we're both asking ourselves, is it worth it to run instead of just, you know, letting them open their own door? But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.